Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240 for Spring Semester 2023. Today, the Modified Internal Rate of Return and Mutually Exclusive Projects. And then we will have a quiz, which should be a surprise quiz for all of you. Now this quiz has an extra surprise in it. You will take the quiz in class and then you will be given an opportunity to take it again before 11.59 p.m. tonight. High score counts. Now, if you don't want that, if you prefer just this one chance, just let me know and I can put it back to one try. Uh, <coughs> no protests, so I figure this is a good, this, I don't do this often, but for something like uh, component cost of capital, that's a pretty robust subject, so I'll give you a second chance at uh, and like I said, there's no other chance. If you want to retake it, uh, you can do so. You'll, you'll know if you've got a problem right or wrong. You won't know the right answer, of course, obviously. But you can retake it. But be sure that you give yourself enough time because the window closes on any chance uh, at 11.59 p.m. Anyway, moving on with the rest of today's happy subject. Let me... Um, uh, one thing about this one subject, um, modified internal rate of return. This is one where, yes, you can do it on the calculator, but it's a pain in the butt. Excel, is, is, for lack of a better term, Excel excels at doing MIRRs. It's just a lot of calculation, and it's done very quickly by, uh, your, by uh, your Excel. However, uh, just a brief look at the markets. It is just not a big day. It's starting to show some signs of upward movement. But overall, you can see, oddly enough, there's that strange thing that the largest companies of the world, the Dow 30 index, is up the most. And then the S&P 500, riskier, still large companies, is up. Uh, the Dow's up a half a percent. The S&P 500 is up just under 0.4%. And then the NASDAQ is barely crawling up, up. So whatever the news is that's propelling the market is more favorable the larger the company is. And that's kind of not the way it usually works. Usually you see the Dow up the least, the S&P up more, and then the NASDAQ up the most. And for some days now, you've seen this this week and last week, it's inverted, which is kind of creepy in itself. Now, oil is having a surge today. It's really up there, 83 uh, and a quarter a barrel on the uh, benchmark uh, Brent Light Suite. So as expected, of course, gasoline prices didn't go down when the price was collapsing. And now that they're going back up, the price of gasoline is already shooting up. And it probably will cross into the $4 gallon barrel, uh, uh, $4 per gallon 
uh, range here in the next week or so if the crude oil keeps moving upward. <coughs> Gold had a, a, a spike, and I don't know what that was about. Some rumors started among the gold crackpots, and it punched the price of gold up, and now it's falling back down. It's still above that magic $2,000 an ounce line, neckline, so that, that's something to keep an eye on there. Now, uh, the Euro USD. The uh, US dollar is depreciating. The Euro is getting stronger. We're almost up to the point now where it costs a dollar ten to buy a Euro, and so there was a punch, just a jump, right here, and I'm not sure what that was. Oh, I do know what that was. We got inflation data came out, and the inflation in the United States is cooling off. It was lower than even the Fed expected, which means that the Fed is less likely to raise interest rates. Now, interest rates going up make the currency stronger, so if the uh, we expect U.S. interest rates to spike, that would make the dollar appreciate against other currencies. Unfortunately, because inflation was so weak, we don't expect the Fed to make much of a move to raise interest rates anymore. That gives the, Euro, the other currencies more strength and the dollar will depreciate on the expectation of interest rates in the U.S. not going up. And the pound sterling did the same. Uh, the pound did the same thing. So we've got a situation where the U.S. dollar is depreciating. Other currencies are appreciating against the dollar. It's nothing awful right now, and it has the positive uh, consequence that as the dollar weakens against other currencies, that's going to make for some help us with some of our economic activity. Uh, going over here, and J Japan, the same thing. That's an inverted chart there. Instead of the um, dollar, uh, instead of the foreign currency being on the left, the U.S. dollar is on the right. So this what <coughs> this is a red chart, which means that the yen is appreciating against the dollar today. Good news there. If you're interested in international finance and learning more about this, by all means, I have an international finance course every spring that you might want to take or not. Uh, the FTSC, the Financial Times, is it hasn't closed yet today, but it is just kind of fairly tepid. It's not an exciting day at all. And the Nikkei was about the same. There was an early rise, and then it's just sitting there. Basically, the world is just waiting for something exciting to happen. Now, what could have happened that is exciting? Well, most likely on the world stage, there's still a lot of worry about um, a military conflict between uh, China and the uh, countries that support Taiwan. So if that gets any hotter, it's kind of hot right now, that's going to cause some pretty strong reactions in the markets. But aside from that, not really much is going on. Now, the last of these capital budgeting techniques, let me write this down again. Uh, there was the payback period method 
there was the net present value and there was the internal rate of return. And as you can see, the payback period method was the simplest and the wrongest of them uh, for several reasons, but it's still used. It had a, uh, the payback period method began to fall out of favor in the 1990s, and in recent times it's picked back up and it's used either explicitly or implicitly by a lot of companies. But here's the thing. Uh, suppose that I made a um, year <coughs> and free cash flow chart here. And I just push these numbers in. Zero, year zero, you put an initial investment of $50,000 in. Year one, two, three, four, and you had a salvage value at the end of $3,000, which you put on the last year. But along the way, you have year one, 5,000, year two, 15,000, year three, 32,000, and year four, you had $8,000 plus that 3,000 right there that you have to add on to the last year. So that's nothing big about this. Something about it though. And this creates, if you were to draw this, you get a nice NPV profile that looks like this. I don't remember the numbers exactly from last time. I can run them again here. Nothing big about that. You got a straight line NPV profile. Now from your dark, dark days of algebra, maybe in senior high school, you might have crossed the path again. Remember the straight lines are always like Y equals, oh, I don't know, negative 4x plus uh, 5, something like that. That's a straight line. Well, hidden in there, we don't put it there, but that's a first power on the x. It's called a degree 1 polynomial. And 1 tells you how many times it's going to cross the axis. The most times it could cross the axis. Well, there's a, something here, it's algebraic, but it also has to do with finance. Now, if you went on, let's try a y equals negative two-thirds x squared plus one-fifth x minus, uh, plus uh, seven-thirds. Well, that's a degree two polynomial. And if you remember from your dark days of algebra, those quadratics, degree two, 
always looked like that. There were parabolas, or parabolas if you're Italian. One, two. Well, you could also have one that just touches and comes back up, one, or you could have one that never touches. But the most times it can hit the axis is twice, degree two. Degree three, negative, oh, eight sevenths x cubed plus two thirds x squared minus uh, one half x plus five eighths. That's a degree three polynomial. If you remember those, they come down and then they swing back up. They can hit once, uh, they can hit three times, they could hit twice, or they could hit once. But the most times they can hit is three times. I don't know if you were, they show this anymore in algebra, but this is how graphs of polynomials work. Now here's where it comes into finance. Do you see how the sign of the free cash flow switched only once from negative to positive? That means it has to be a line. It's a degree one polynomial. Let me show you another one. Here, free cash flow. Uh, zero, one, two, three, four. Start out with negative 50,000. You end up the next year 5,000, 15,000, 32,000. But suppose your last year is only 2,000 and your salvage value, because you have environmental remediation, is 5,000. So this one would be a negative minus 5,000. So your year four is actually a negative number, negative 3,000. Sign switch once, sign switch twice. That would be a degree two polynomial. The NPV profile line is going to look like that. If it had three sign switches, like if they put, had to put some, a lot of money in in year two to get the project moving again, that'd be three sign switches. So in other words, remember that the internal rate of return is where it crosses the axis? Well, that works only if there's one crossing. If there are two crossings, or God forbid, three, you'd have three internal rates of return. Well, what would that mean? It actually means nothing. If you have multiple internal rates of return, they have no meaning. They are what we call in math spurious results. <coughs> now, there are some books that try to interpret it. Well, it might mean this. No. If you have more than one switch in the sign of the free cash flows, internal rate of return no longer works. It fails. 
But Lord knows, companies love internal rates of return, and so we have to modify the internal rate of return to deal with any situation where there's more than one free cash sign switch in the free cash flow. It's, it almost looks like a stupid pet trick, but it works, but it's a pain in the butt to do it. Let me show you one. And here's the thing. Now, by the way, NPV still works. Your NPV is still fine. That's not a big thing. That's, uh, that's why the NPV method is superior, is because it doesn't give a rat's ass if there's so, how many sign switches there are. It's the internal rate of return method that has to be juiced if there's more than one sign switch. Let me show you one here. Um, let me get these off the board, all this. I'll put up one. Oh, good. Okay, year free cash flow. Year zero. This is when you put in your initial investment. Let's say negative $50,000. And then year one, you're on your road, $5,000. Year two, we come up to, let's say, 15,000, but this time in year three, we have to rebuild, modify the project. We have to put more money in based upon what we've learned about consumer uh, reaction to it. So we're gonna go down 10,000, and then we're going to recover to 3,000, in year five, we're going to come back up to 25,000. And then in year six, and this includes salvage value, I'll just throw it in here, we have 12,000. Oh, let's make it a little bit <clears throat> racier. Let's say it's 8,000 in the last year, including the salvage value. <coughs> so in this case, we have sign switch, po negative to positive, 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 and then switch down, positive to negative, that's two, and then negative to positive, that's three. So the internal rate of return, you just, you could put these into a calculator, don't get me wrong. You could put them into Excel and, it and say IRR, and you'd get an answer. The problem is it wouldn't have any meaning because the calculator or Excel would just say, okay, if the actual MPV profile line here looks like this, which it probably would, it would give you whatever internal rate of return was closest to where it started guessing, to, uh, it started its estimation process. It wouldn't mean that that was an, the true internal rate of return because there are three and none of them have much financial meaning. So we have to have another method. Now, I'm going to tell you how we do it, but if you think I'm going to do it on the calculator, you're wrong. It works like this. There's an assumption that 
money that we spent would be at the cost of capital. That would, let's say that the cost of capital is 6% after taxes, okay? Whatever. But money that comes in has its own rate, the reinvestment rate. And that should be some, you know, like the return on equity or something like that. It should be a better rate, something like, let's say, 10%. So there will be two rates involved. Now, your homework says they're the same 6% and 6% or something like that. They really wouldn't be in real life. But anyway, here's how, they, here's how it's done. You take all of the negative cash flows and you bring them back as present values and add them to the initial negative. So in other words, I would take this negative 10,000 times one plus the cost of capital, 0.06, to the negative third power. And then I, whatever that number is, I'd add it to the negative 50,000. And then I would take all of the positives and take their future value at the reinvestment rate out to the end. And add all those together. So what you would eventually have is some number 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, and if this is confusing, yes, you're right. You would have some big negative here and then you would have zeros here, and you'd have some big positive here. And then you'd calculate the internal rate of return. The negative 50,000 plus the present value of the negative 10,000, and then zero, 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 you just key those into your calculator, and then you would take the last year's six, and that would have all those future values added to the 6,000 and you would run that. So I'm not going to do this. I'm not stupid enough to try to do it all on what in here, but what you would do is you would do apps, finance, internal rate of return. And what you would do is you would put in that big negative. Let's say that negative came out to be negative $70,000. Don't, this isn't what it would really, comma, and then open braces and you would put in zeros for years one through five. And then for year six, you would put in that big positive, which was the sum of the future values discount, uh, 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 compounded at the 10% uh, percent rate whatever that would come out to be. Let's say it came out to be $90,000. And these are, of course, not the right, what the numbers actually would be. I'm not gonna try that. Enter. It's gonna look at me stupid. What? <laughs> oh, I see, I put in a 9,000. Okay, let me put in a 90,000. Second, insert another zero. 
and then find it. 3.66% would be your internal rate of return. Don't even think about doing that. It's a, I've, I used to try to do it and I would always screw up one of the future values and all that. Excel has a way to do it. It is the MIRR function, watch. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put in the years and the free cash flow. And this is how you should do it for your homework. Years zero, one, and then through six. And the free cash flow is negative 50,000. And then the 5,000. And then the 15,000. And then the negative 10,000. And then the 3,000. And then the 25,000. And then the 8,000. Now over here, I'm going to also put in here the cost of capital over in, in, in uh, cell D1, cost of capital in cell D1, and the reinvestment rate here in cell E1. So I'll put in a 6% there, whoops, yeah, 6% there and a 10% there. Ah, there. I think that should be enough. Okay, here we go. Modified internal rate of return equals MIRR the values and then comma the reinvestment the financing rate comma the reinvestment rate I mean it's so easy to do it this way it's ridiculous close the parenthesis oh please tell me this is Ooh, hey, that's a that's a really good. Okay. I didn't get that. Let me try that again. Oh, I I was going to say that's a hell of an investment. That's a hell of an internal rate of return. Oh, there, that's better. Okay. Because the next part of it was going to fall apart if I did if it came out to be that. Okay, so the modified internal rate of return is 2.86%. All you need to do is just, in Excel, just put in the stupid cash flows, make sure you give it a cost of capital and, 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 and a reinvestment rate, and you're fine. Now, here's an interesting thing. 
this actually is kind of a, a neat little thing about MIRR. Do you see that the modified internal rate of return of this project is 2.86%? But do you see that the cost of capital is 6%? This project sucks. It can't even pay its cost of capital. This is a project that would just looking right at it, you're just you would just say, absolutely not. This project is a dog. Because the modified internal rate of return on the project doesn't even pay the cost of the money of the capital to do the project. So in a case like this, you would, if the cost of capital is 6%, you would want the MIRR to be at least 6%, ideally more than that. So this project, right there, it's just yelling at you that this is a no-go project. I'm kind of curious about something. Uh, let me see what the NPV tells me about this project. The NPV, that would equal you have to put in the initial investment separately, plus NPV, open parenthesis. Now, the rate here, that would probably, they would use the weighted average cost of capital, 6%, comma. And then they would just run these numbers in. Let's see what the NPV of this thing looks like. Oh, it's... Oh, that's a percent. I was going to say, what the hell? Ah, uh, comma. Yeah, this project, see, NPV says absolutely not as well. See, it's a negative, pro negative NPV. So the MIRR is a good second or maybe a primary way if you have projects which have switching free cash flow sign, which is not uncommon at all for projects to start out with money you put out, you pay, and then you pull in a few years of positives, and then you have to upgrade the, the material, the equipment or whatever, and then they go negative for a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. Well, did I? Did I? No, you don't. Did I actually include it? Okay. It's still going to be a negative god. Okay, so that's D3. There should be D3. Let's start from the beginning. NP equals NPV, damn it. Uh, no, no, no. Equals that plus oh, a mother's work is never done. <laughs> Rate, comma, and then, yeah, I did grab that one. See, that's what drives me crazy, is that you have to add it separately, and I don't know why they would call it an NPV if you're doing, it's just a present value with an extra number on it. Yeah, it's still negative. Good, thank you for telling me that, because it did look awfully negative there. But as you can see, one way or the other, MIRR or NPV, they're both gonna tell you no to this project. That's just one of the things about this is that regardless of which method you use, it actually should, the two modern methods should 
generally give you the same decision. And with internal rate of return, just remember that if the sign of the free cash flow switches more than once, you have to do an MIRR instead of just an IRR. And if you put this into Excel, just copy and paste it from a <coughs> homework problem, just remember that you need your cost of capital and your reinvestment rate. If I recall right from doing those problems, they, call, they made these the same value. Interestingly, watch what would happen if I used the same value for both of them. Still sucks. I mean, it doesn't affect the NPV because all I used for that one was the cost of capital. But the reinvestment rate, if you use the same one, it will just make the, it, the modified internal rate of return will just get worse on you. Interestingly, I'm curious about something here. How far would I have to have gone to get the modified internal rate of return above the cost of capital? Wow, even at 18%, 19% it does, it clears it. But I mean, reinvestment rate of 19%, that's hella high. So, I mean, normally it wouldn't be that, that generous. It would be more like, well, when we make money, we can make more money off of it, say 10%, something like that. And as you can see, then it starts at, unless that reinvestment rate is really higher, this, freak, this project is going to be no, regardless of how you want to do it. Go take your quiz now.